Welcome to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. I'm Patty Vest. And I'm Mark Wood. This season on SageCast, we're talking with a variety of Pomona College students about topics and experiences that shape their collegiate lives. Today, we're talking with student veterans about their experiences at Pomona. Joining us for this discussion are former Marine Jordan Peterson, class of 19, and Army veteran Travis Whirling, class of 21. Welcome, Jordan and Travis. Thank Glad you. to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, let's start with your own service backgrounds. Um, why did you decide to join? Did you have a, a goal in mind? Let me go first. Okay. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of wild to think about, but uh, at some point in my senior year of high school, I applied to a college and I got accepted and I felt kind of apathetic about it. I was like, great. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, my mom didn't go to college, neither did my father. So I was like, the pressure was kind of on me to like make that, or it wasn't, not, wasn't to make that decision, but to like do it, right? Because the decision was kind of already made. Um, but at some point, like after being accepted and like trying to apply for scholarships, despite, you know, my mom working as a waitress to put like a roof over both of our heads, um, I still had to apply to like a bunch of scholarships because I just didn't understand how like financial aid worked and a lot of things like that. And at some point I was just like, this is too much. I, I don't know. I just, I, something just felt completely off. And then I found a recruiting pamphlet for the Marine Corps and I thought, oh, I guess do that. And I wouldn't have to go to school and that'd be great because <laughs> I'm so over school. And, uh, I told my mom later that day and she was pretty upset. <laughs> um, cause I, I like, I'm an only child and she was just yeah. like, you know, she, of course she thought the worst. Um, but you know, as that plan evolved, you know, at first I really wanted to like, you know, do the basic Marine Corps thing and go infantry. And there was just a lot of pushback with that, especially with my recruiter who just kept insisting that that wasn't an option, even though it's the most readily available option. <laughs> um, so he had me sign on as a linguist, uh, a cryptologic linguist. And I was like, what the heck is that? He's like, I don't know. But like, <laughs> it's like for like smart people or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whatever. Like I did like decent on the test. So it was an option. And he's like, you should take the best like option available. And I think that's it. So I listened to him and, uh, I think it, it was mentioned in my, in the, like the first article that was written about me when I first, uh, started coming here. But basically, like I ended up going back to school, even though I tried to <laughs> my best to avoid school. And yeah, I mean, there's so a million Marine reasons. School. Yeah. What is that? So Marine school basically. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I ended up learning Chinese, um, and like this really intense, uh, schooling up in Monterey. And I don't know, it was just the, the irony isn't lost <laughs> on me that I like did this crazy plan to avoid having to go to school. And I ended up, you know, in like a really academically intense environment, but you mm -hmm. know, it all yeah. worked out in the end. Yeah. And Travis. Um, yeah. So originally my plan was to be a musician in high school. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like a rock star. Like I <clears throat> love the red hot chili peppers. I played bass. So I thought he was the coolest. Um, and that's basically, uh, what I was applying to is when I was 
looking at colleges. I was applying to music schools. I applied to USC's Thornton School of Music, and I applied to Berkeley College of Music. Mm-hmm. And um, I got into Berkeley, which was exciting. Um, but the the tuition payment wasn't nearly as exciting. <laughs> yeah, no it was ridiculous. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, we didn't have any like any of that kind of money. I, mean, I was raised by a single mom as well, um, yeah. working mm-hmm. a union job. And so, just looking at different alternative options, uh, it was my mom actually who mentioned that the army had a band, and I was like, uh, yeah, they have a band, like like playing uh, bugle calls and and ceremonial things she's like no they have like a rock band they have like bands that perform for the troops and downrange and do all these exciting things and i was like huh that's kind of unique like you don't really hear too much about that mm-hmm. and so I, I reached out to just a, a recruiting liaison for the for the band and, and of course they sold it as hard as possible like oh yeah you're gonna be like such a rock star it's gonna be the coolest <laughs> thing ever <laughs> Everyone's, you're just going to be going around just rocking rocking everyone's face off the entire time. And I was like, okay. Well. That's the typical recruiter voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so the recruiter came down and um, he gave me an uh, a audition. I had an audition for, for the band on the bass. And we auditioned at my local shopping mall in my, my town. And it was like an, uh, an abandoned storefront that they agreed to let us set up in which was kind of strange because there were shoppers walking by just like <laughs> putting their faces up against the mirror and just like looking in it was just super yeah. creepy i was just creeped out <laughs> the entire time is this real um but uh we had good chemistry and uh and he he liked what i did even though uh you know i was, I was younger than a typical applicant how old were you i was uh 17 17 mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, they awarded me the slot, and I took it. It was just an, I thought it was be a great opportunity for me to get to still continue playing music, and then get the benefits of the GI Bill, and get to go to. Originally, I wanted to go back to music school at the end mm-hmm. of my four years. Uh, didn't work out like that, but <laughs> that was basically how I ended up in the army. Tell us, uh, you touched a little bit on it, but how did you choose your the branch you served in? Did you consider other branches, yeah. or or was it just a? a tunnel vision when you started uh 100% tunnel vision uh I looked at the statistics I looked at like the online forums you know because they're so trustworthy and I was like so for context um I was like class clown and uh no one would have like expected me to join the military so I was like I'm really gonna show these guys uh, I'm going to join the hardest branch. I'm going to do like the toughest <clears throat> thing. You know, I want to be tough. So I was like, what's like the hardest one? Like undeniably. And everyone's like, oh, it's the Marine Corps. You know, you got the longer boot camp. Um, they're treated a lot worse. <laughs> uh, that's part of what makes it so tough. Um, they're more uh, miserable per capita, I'd say. Uh, there's There's a lot of things, but, you know, it's tough. But like the commiseration is what makes like the bond so strong, um, which can seem kind of counterintuitive for those who haven't been through it. But um, yeah, just I wanted the the toughest experience. I wanted like the shock of like just diving mm-hmm. right in. I was seventeen too, so like I yeah. I was like a couple weeks out of high school. Um, but also, my best friend's older brother had just finished his time with the Marine Corps. I think that like played a big part of it. Um, yeah, I just I didn't really consider the other the other branches. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it sounds like you didn't either. You had had a focus on the specific part of the army, right, Travis? Uh, well, I knew I wanted to do music, yeah. and so the army band was the ones that had slots available for the electric bass, and, and there's not too many. They don't open very frequently. <laughs> there's not there's not hundreds of us just jamming, but um, yeah, you don't. Most people don't think of a military band with a bass guitar. I mean, they, yeah. they tend to think of of lots of horns and yeah. Yeah. you know, fife and drum corps. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and that's what I thought as well. Um, but yeah, so joining the army was was basically because it was the branch that had my job that I wanted available. Yeah. So. Um, well, I'm going to ask you to tell us tell us about your service, but let's start with boot camp. Um, did you both go through boot camp and tell us about about what it was like. Do you want to remember it? <laughs> Disorder going. As they both smile. Yeah, we'll start <laughs> Okay, so boot camp was it was it was like the exact shocking experience that I thought it would be. I watched all like the movies leading up to it. I watched Full Metal Jacket. I watched Jarhead. Uh, I watched like every. I digested like every bit of media that was associated. With Marine Corps boot camp, I want to know everything to expect. Um, I'd say it got like thirty percent of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a, there was a lot. Like I knew what the first like five minutes were going to be like, but then after that, it was just all a total toss up. Um, they like they start you out. They they um, they bus you in like at night. It's like dark. It's cold, and like the drill instructor comes on the bus. Tells everyone to like get out, go on the yellow footprints. And there's like these yellow footprints that are like the feet are at like an 80 degree angle, and you have to like stand on those yellow footprints. And then they just like yell at you for five minutes, and then make you do like, um, like stand up, kneel down, turn the turn to the right, turn to the left, and they just like they're messing with you. And mm -hmm. that pretty much goes on for 13 weeks. <laughs> it's just like all that. Um, they shave your head. They they make you like change clothes, and then like that's. That's it. Everyone's the same after that. And then, like I said, it's 13 weeks long. Um, it was wild, especially being like I was, I think, the youngest one in my entire platoon. Um, yeah. Were you uh, physically fit at the time, ready for it? <laughs> at the way? time, I was physically fit, yes. Um, I wasn't – I've never been a strong runner. Uh, so, like, when it came time to the physical fitness test, I didn't, like, do great on running, but – I did my 20 pull-ups. I did my hundred crunches. I was in great shape. Um, but after that, you know, it was kind of all downhill. <laughs> it's like, you, I, it's hard to ever be in as good a shape as when you're running forcibly every day, everywhere you go all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you can't make any decisions for yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Travis. Um, yeah. So I went to basic training at Fort Benning, Georgia mm -hmm. and, um, I just remember we all, a good chunk of us had to fly into the Atlanta International Airport and take a bus from there to Fort Benning. And when we were in the airport, we were just getting lined up basically in public in front of everyone and just getting screamed at. And, you know, this is fresh off the airplane. And they made us all tuck our shirts in and like hike our pants up. So we look like Steve Urkel just like walking out of there, just every single one of us. Yeah, <laughs> like the humiliation just started from like <laughs> some point one. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, we arrived at Fort Benning and like immediately we were like in a conveyor belt just getting like shots and stuff. And 
Um, it was it was weird. It was very weird. Um, but the I guess they didn't treat you like a rock star. No, I didn't, <laughs> no. I actually I had to keep the, the musician musician thing kind of on the down low because once they find out you're in the band, they love to make fun of you. I mean, they uh, just yeah. love to make they'll mercilessly make fun of you. Yeah. Um. So actually, I had I had my drill sergeants convinced up until like the very end that I was um going to be an officer because officer if you're going to go to officer candidate school you come in as an e4 mm -hmm. um which is the rank and i came in as an e4 as a musician and so they all thought i was going to be an officer but yeah i was i had just turned 18 by this time and so i was always saying just boneheaded 18 year old things and then the drill's <laughs> gonna be like whirling you can't say that if you're going to be an officer like and they just get so disappointed in me and then and then one time one of my buddies like overheard the drill sergeant saying that he's like he's not an officer he's in the band and uh oh, <laughs> oh wow no. and the drill sergeant falcon you, and the drill sergeant's just like don't ever talk to me again and just walked away <laughs> so, <laughs> i broke his heart unfortunately oh okay <laughs> you had him Fake it yeah. until you make it. You yeah, have. you know, it's survival. So, <laughs> so tell us about your service, your your role, the length of your service, any travel deployment that you had, any distinctive experiences that that you remember. Let's start with Travis this time. Okay, yeah, I'll switch it up. <laughs> so I served for about eight years in total. Um, my first duty station was the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I volunteered to go there, actually, because I heard that they were deploying um, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom to Afghanistan. And I really wanted to deploy. That was something that I was like, if I'm joining the military, I really want to experience that and have that opportunity. Um, so within three or four months of arriving, um, we deployed to Kandahar, Afghanistan. And um, that was a fun experience for me, actually, because I got a chance to go off and perform um, with my rock band uh, for the for the troops basically in these, in these austere conditions and, and for troops who are really appreciative of having the morale boosted and it just felt like very meaningful, impactful work. And so got to do a lot of really cool things there. got to see a lot of really cool things there. Um, and then upon coming back, I had the opportunity, I went to airborne school. So I, I got to mm -hmm. receive my parachute disqualification. So as an airborne mm -hmm. bass player, which <laughs> I always thought was kind of cool because, you know, jump with your guitar. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix was also a paratrooper. So I'm like, oh, you wow. know, I'm like, he was the guitar paratrooper. I'm the bass paratrooper. So uh, that's kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then after that, I went, uh, I PCS to Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. And I spent my final five years of service there. And, and that was an interesting place. Um, so one of the more interesting things I did there um, was there's a I guess famous or infamous, however you want to view, a uh, prisoner of war, uh, Bo Bergdahl, who was um, exchanged and, and he was actually brought to Fort Sam Houston. And I was on the detail, that security detail slash reintegration detail for him when he came back. So um, I got mm -hmm. to work extensively with him and, and try to reintegrate him back into society and also try to protect him while he was undergoing his trials. And so that was a very interesting time in my military career as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I've had uh, a multitude of different experiences um, outside of just uh, doing the music thing, which is kind of kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to ask, do you, do you guys perform exclusively for Army or are you, are you traveling to like everywhere? Oh, we'll try. I mean, we perform for, for everyone. I would say... 
uh, primarily we're performing for the public, I would say. Um, okay. Just really trying to hmm. establish a strong connection between the public at large and, mm -hmm. and the Army, just trying to be yeah. ambassadors, really. Yeah, okay. Public relations. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Oh, cool. That's rad. Okay. The question was about my service just in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, as I mentioned before, my I started off um, in – I was sent to Monterey, California at the Defense Language Institute. Um, I was there for a couple weeks when they assigned me my language. Because like a lot of – so a lot of the other branches actually get to choose – Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I want to do this language. And like, do you have the score to like, so they make you take this test called the Defense Language Aptitude Battery uh, or the D-Lab. And it's basically like this arbitrary test to like, you know, see what your like natural ability for language learning is. Mm -hmm. um, it's all kind mm -hmm. of just like hand wavy. But uh, basically, once you take that test and the other branches, you can be like, well, I got this score. And I want to do this language. And they're like, oh, the score meets language? Sure. Like, mm -hmm. as long as you get there at, like, the right time and things like that. Um, but that's not how it works in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps, <laughs> that you get there and they're like, like, they have, like, there's, like, this theory that there's just a dartboard and then they just throw darts <laughs> because, like, it's it's pretty random. Like, if, like, obviously if you have, like, a higher score, then they send you with, like, the harder languages and things like that. But other than that, it's just, like. <laughs> They'll just get a bulk of people, and they're like, all right, you guys are all Korean linguists. And they're like, all right, you guys are all Arabic linguists. You guys didn't score so well, so you're going to you know, do this language or whatever. So it's it's all just kind of mm -hmm. arbitrary. But I was assigned Chinese, and I was like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> It didn't really like hit me for like a long time, and I was like, I'm going to learn Chinese. Like, That's so random. Um, but I I waited for a really long time to like – start my class, which I thought was so lame. Like I had, I had a five-year contract and I was like six months or more into my, I was like eight months into my contract by the time I started my course. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's eight months. That's a really long time. <laughs> that's a lot of like anyone that was like infantry or like almost any other job is like done and I'm yeah. starting. Mm -hmm. And so that was crazy. Um, and then I started Chinese language school uh, it's 64 weeks normally. I, however, got meningitis um, in the middle of it oh, randomly. No. Um, and if you don't know about meningitis, it's extremely contagious. Yeah. Uh, but I was the only person on the entire installation that got it. Apparently when I was like in the hospital recovering, like they came in and bleached every surface and like every room, like everything I came into contact with. I don't How know. long were you in the hospital? Uh, like four days. Wow. Yeah. It was... It was weird, but um, the weirder thing was that I was like, crap, like I'm not going to go back to learning Chinese. Like they like removed me from the, the course. It's like, what's going to happen? But my grades were decent, so they like found a way to like reintegrate me into another class. And then I graduated a couple months later than I was originally supposed to. Then I went to Texas at uh, San Angelo for more like follow-on training for my job. And then I hit the Fleet Marine Force, which is, like, where all the Marines that are, like, done training and, like, are ready to deploy and all that. It's, like, the regular, normal Marine Corps. Uh, I hit that after three years. Wow. So I had spent three years, like, training. And I have uh -huh. two years left of my contract. I'm like, what the heck am I going to accomplish? Um, 
But I actually ended up doing two deployments to Okinawa, Japan, one of them in support of the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit and one with, like, on board the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit, which is basically an aircraft carrier group. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the USS Bonham Richard, and basically they just float around the Pacific and do training exercises and wait to see if something crazy happens. Like, uh, mm-hmm. the float that was, like, two before me did... Um, they did humanitarian uh, efforts in the Philippines mm-hmm. after a tsunami hit, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so in total, my service was a little over five years. I, I extended my contract to finish out my my second deployment uh, to Okinawa. Uh, so it was like five years, three months. And also in that time period, I met my wife. Should have mentioned that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I met her when I was at um, in Monterey at language school, um, and we got married before I finished. Uh, before, like, right at that three year mark when I like joined the Fleet Marine Force, like that's like right when we got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, tell us your high point and your low point during your your uh, years in the military. <laughs> is that Ooh, that's is rough. that doable? Yeah, it's probably doable. It's doable. <laughs> you want to start, Travis? Um. So. Yeah, I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, uh, and it's kind of hard for me to like articulate the low point, just because, uh, for me, the low point was kind of getting stuck making music with a group you didn't really want to make music with. And so um, it kind of becomes almost kind of personal. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have to kind of tread carefully in a sense. Yeah. Um, but that that probably, yeah, I mean, there was just... Just the personal dynamics there was in just, the group. You know, the, the nature of, of the military is that, you know, you don't really have the full optionality you want in choosing <laughs> who you get to play with. I mean, and, and that's and that's a great thing. And that's also kind of a pain in the neck sometimes. And, and so uh, there was a stretch for probably about one year where I was stuck playing with the group where um i don't know i didn't think that we were as good as we could have been to be performing the high profile gigs that Mm -hmm. we were on and honestly it it, it kind of took a lot out of me because i was being put in these positions where i had to go out in front of the public and put on a performance and try to act like everything is okay but it it was very obvious to me and it was probably very obvious to the audience that that we were not up to par Mm -hmm. and and so Mm -hmm. it it just ended up being just like repeated embarrassment over and over and over again it was just humiliating it was just very very humiliating and honestly it it kind of made me start like losing my love of music because i started associating music not with like the joy of artistic creation and and freedom of expression it was just this It was just humiliation and pain oh. and suffering, and so, and so for yeah, me, not a good association. Yeah, and so, uh, I, and and thankfully that's been that's been countered with some absolutely incredible experiences playing with, with people who are just phenomenal musicians and who we we just have made incredible art together. Um, but it's definitely very cyclical. It was very cyclical throughout my entire career. Mm-hmm. And your high point. Um, so I guess uh, I would say actually I would say um, deployment was my high point. I, I actually really really loved deployment because I really loved our mission that we were doing. I really loved playing music for people uh, who really needed it. Like there was multiple occasions where um, 
we'd fly out to an outpost because we were requested because they might have lost a soldier and all of their everyone in their company was just absolutely devastated they're very tight-knit and Mm -hmm. and it was just very devastating and and they you know they were just looking for some way to potentially raise morale and and we were kind of like the response team for that We, we would fly out and usually we couldn't fly back out again for another three to four days when they can get another black hawk to get us out um and so we would just be there for for multiple days just really um trying to share our music and, and, and support, support yeah. the soldiers in any way that we possibly could. So mm-hmm. it, it just felt very, very meaningful. And so it just gave me a lot of gratitude to be yeah. in my position. That's awesome. <sighs> my, so my high point when I peaked, uh, <laughs> was, uh, like towards like, wrapping up my time. <laughs> yeah. It was just a little bit after high school. Um, uh, it was it was during like my time at the Defense Language Institute, like right when I was uh, finishing up my Chinese course. Um, so when I first like joined and was there at the school, I was like very young. Um, I was actually the youngest Marine at my first Marine Corps ball, which is like <laughs> part of the tradition. They have the youngest Marine and the oldest Marine and the oldest Marine like cuts a piece of cake and gives it to the youngest Marine. So I like stood up and I had to eat cake in front of everyone. Uh, so I was, I was really, really young when I got there. And, you know, by that token, I was prone to making young, stupid decisions. So I wasn't always like the best, most on point Marine. Um, but at some point after getting in enough trouble, it all just kind of clicked. And I was like, I need to square myself away. So, um, I like just totally 180'd. Uh, I took uh, like a, a fire team leader position, which led to a squad leader position. I became like the company guide on bearer. Um, I started volunteering every opportunity that I got um, with like, you know, just everything in the community. So uh, oftentimes, like your platoon sergeant or platoon commander will come up to you and be like, uh, listen, there's an opportunity. Uh, to volunteer an opportunity to volunteer uh, this Saturday, like from like 12 to five, you know, like just the worst hours possible. And they're like, we need five people. And so they call it being voluntold because like, it's just, it's a lottery. Like, well, you get told to do something. Uh, but at a certain point I was just like, screw the weekends. I was like, cause I like, you know, I had to like save face. So I volunteered for like all of that stuff. Um, I volunteered to like be, president of like the outdoor um kind of like the the version of the oec that we have mm-hmm. here at pomona mm-hmm. yeah. i was like the co-president of like that um organization or whatever um i was just doing like every opportunity i could and it actually really paid off you know i, I was also like tutoring other classmates in chinese it, it paid off though because in the end i graduated um with the dli alumni association award which isn't like a really well-known award, but it was an award, you know, they, they don't give out awards to like everyone. It's just like a couple people. The commandant's award is like the nicest one. And that's the one I wanted. But like I said, I gotten in some trouble before, beforehand. <laughs> so I wasn't really eligible for that, but it was nice. Cause like, I, I just had a lot of attention from a lot of people that were like, wasn't that the guy that was like totally messing up like four <laughs> months ago? And like, look what he's doing now. So I got I got yeah. a lot of recognition for that. And it was really like rewarding. It, it was nice to like see yeah. 
you know, a reward for all of my effort because mm-hmm. I did put in a lot of effort. And that was great. That was like totally my high point. That's when I peaked. I was like maximum efficiency. I was getting everything done. and It was awesome. Um, I'd say my low point was probably somewhere within or after my two deployments as I'm like realizing that. So so when I first joined the Marine Corps, I was like, this is my career. This is, I'm going to make a career. I'm definitely staying in 20 years. I'll retire at 37. Like of all these job skills, it'd be amazing. Um, but somewhere around like a little bit, like at around like two and three quarter years in, I was like, maybe I don't stay. <laughs> maybe like I get out because I don't mm-hmm. think I'm happy, but I'm not sure. And then after that, it was all just kind of downhill. I was like, wow, I hate this. Um <laughs> It's just there's a lot of like there's like almost no independence and there's mm-hmm. like it's a lot of being treated like a child and like the inability to make decisions or lead. And even as a non-commissioned officer, I was like there were no opportunities really to lead. Mm-hmm. And it just stunk. I was like, I don't want to be treated like a child. I think I'm a little bit smarter than a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just thought like there has to be something better out there but i don't know and it's weird when you're like on contract and you can't just leave when you're not happy with your job you have to like stick it out and wait (laughs) it stinks and you just feel completely trapped and it just bummed me out really bad all the way up until like my last day when i was like wow i'm done were you counting days Oh, absolutely. I had a timer. I had like ever down to the, the microsecond or the millisecond like of like how long until like it was done and over. And I'd say my, uh, an alternative to my high point would be on my last day um, because I also was promoted to sergeant, which I just thought was hilarious. Um, they like I woke up my like my mom flew in because it was going to be my last day. And I was like, I'm also getting promoted. Um, I woke up. I went. So we had like the morning formation. I was promoted to sergeant and then I walked down to the like ID card office, got my new ID card with my new rank. And then I went to pick up like my my like end of contract paperwork. They call it a DD-214. I went to like pick up my DD-214. I'm like, all right, thanks. And that was it. That was like my whole day. Wow. How did uh, your years of military service uh, shape you guys? You can go first. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> um, well, we have to start making connections here. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have reflected on that myself a bit at some point in my life. <laughs> um, I would say my years in the military have like shown me that um, just how to once again, like what I was referring before, the cyclical nature of the job, there's these peaks and these lows. And then I think that extrapolating that, that's kind of life. I mean, mm-hmm. it's never just smooth sailing. And so I feel like for me, it's really just build up resilience um, where whenever I'm having difficult times, I, I, I am confident that it's always going to bounce back and get better. So I would say in that sense, um, it's built a strong sense of resilience. Um, it's also taking away my fear of a lot of things. Um, I mean, even just, you know, being deployed in Afghanistan and we'd have rocket attacks hitting our base, you know, uh, multiple times every day and just 
having to go run out to the the shelters. And at a certain point, you just you kind of just don't care. I mean, it sounds crazy, but you really don't. You're just like, you'll be sleeping at night and you'll hear the, the alarms go off to go run to the bunker. And you're just like, eh, if it's my time, it's my time. I'm going to just sleep. <laughs> and that's, that's really it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think anyone who's, you know, been deployed knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and so I, I feel like uh, in that sense, it's liberating though. You just, you, you don't, you don't have these fears, fear of death in a sense. You kind of like that becomes more minimized and and so you feel like you can accomplish anything um, because you aren't too scared of the consequences. Mm -hmm. um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I guess, am I getting at what I'm supposed to trying to get at here? <laughs> and, uh, and also it really developed me as a musician as well, which is really mm -hmm. great. I got to work with some phenomenal players and I got to, I was forced to <clears throat> perform in all kinds of different groups. I performed in the jazz group extensively in the jazz combo. So I got to really improve my improvisation, which is a goal I really had for a long time. Um, I got to play in the Latin band. I was in San Antonio, which is a very strong uh, Latin music scene. And so I got to be exposed to international music and mm -hmm. inherently because of that international culture and all these, and I got to play with musicians from all over um, who, who come to join the military. We have lots of musicians from Puerto Rico, lots who come from um, Guam and who come from other territories that I hadn't really been exposed to in my entire life. And, and so it was a very beautiful thing getting to, to go and make music with them. And it's just, you know, it's such a powerful way to make connections with people in general. And so I think that's another thing I took away that uh, even here at Pomona, I still is building connections through music, musical relationships, kind of building friendships. And so... And then I guess the final thing is um, support networks. Um, I think the military, everyone acknowledges that uh, you, you have to go through some tough times and, and what they see as the, the best resource is, is your family's support mechanisms. And so they have, they have extensive resources for family support groups. And uh, I think that that's something I've tried to take with me as well, just always trying to be a support for everyone else. And then also just trying to establish my friendships that, that we are that kind of pillar of support for one another. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hopefully that made some kind of sense. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be sure You've that You've had I, enough I'm, time, Jordan. Just I know. I just want to make sure that I'm answering as efficiently as possible. <laughs> How did your years of military service shape you? Shape me? Well, I have to say it took a long time, but it made me a lot less like self-centered. Um, I think like... When, like when I when I started, I was just like a seventeen year old child, you know, and I didn't really have I had no worldview for one, um, and I just didn't really have like I just didn't have an idea how anything worked, and I think joining the Marine Corps in some ways is kind of like a trial by fire. They just like you know they just throw you right in. Mm -hmm. um, I still think you get a very very limited worldview in the military though, so that I think. Um, it opened me up to the idea of a worldview, right? But I think I got most of my worldview in college. But I think the, the biggest, like, shaping that occurred was realizing at some point that, like, I think I'm kind of smart. That sounds, like, really <laughs> – that sounds really weird. But, like, like after, like, yeah. you know, starting classes in Chinese and realizing, like, oh, like, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. 
like I'm getting good grades. And like I didn't that's not something I did a whole lot of in high school <laughs> for whatever reason, whether that be not trying or mm-hmm. just not getting it or not putting in the effort. Um, I was not like an academic person. I didn't consider myself that after high school. And obviously, you know, I tried to avoid that. But, you know, I was like I was doing well in Chinese and I was like, wow, you know, this is I, there might be something here. Um, and then I ended up getting like my associate's degree when I graduated and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like this, I like, I like that feeling. And I tried to like, remember that. And then as like my time like went on and like I mentioned before, like, you know, getting treated like kind of like a child, I'm like, I feel like I'm, I don't want to say better than this, but I feel like I deserve more. Mm -hmm. And like, I was kind of like starting to realize maybe like my self-worth and like, I think that I can, I don't know. I just think that like my purpose is something beyond just this, you know, cause yeah. just being told what to do and not having like being able to like put my spin on things ever. Um, yeah. But I, I'd say the biggest thing was just like realizing, you know, that I can achieve something mm-hmm. nice or great. Yeah. You know, we, we all hear, about the difficulties some um, veterans have leaving the military, coming back into civilian life, even those who thought they hated the military. <laughs> um, how was it for for you two? Um, you want to start, uh, Jordan? <laughs> I'll start. Because you're nodding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, it really resonates. Um, I was, so I was really feeling really depressed when I was getting out of the military, like on my way out. But I was like, man, it's going to be so much better when I'm just out and I'm done and that's it, you know? Uh, So that's what I thought. But then what ended up happening was once I got out, I was just more depressed. (laughs) Um, Like Travis was saying, the support networks of just like everything in there, it's not just like your family family, but like everyone around you Mm -hmm. is your family, your support network in some ways. You know, there's obviously the people that don't really – subscribe to that notion, but everyone is just there and you're all commiserating and it sucks for everyone. And you just can like complain about it be like, man, this sucks. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And then, <laughs> and, but like all of a sudden you're on a plane and like, for me, I was stationed in Hawaii, which is also where I'm from. Like my mom lived in Hawaii and, um, I have a lot of family in California as well. And we were moving to California, my wife and I, but I was just like, I'm leaving like a lot of things behind, but I was just like, I was excited to just be done and everything. But then like, I found like within a couple days to weeks of me being out and like finally free, I was realizing like, man, this sucks. I don't really know like who to talk to, where to go. Like my wife had just started veterinary school at Western so she was like crazy busy all the time. You know, she doesn't have time to be like my only friend. So I was just like, man, what do I do? So it felt really lonely. It was really tough. Um, it was hard to find other people that were going through something similar, even though I like like you, you guys are aware of like the kind of phenomenon, right? I was too. I was like, it's going to be hard reintegrating, but it should be fine, right? I'm resilient. But then it was it was really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that for me, my, by the time I finally separated, I had 
had so many failures to separate from the military beforehand <laughs> that I felt that I was well rehearsed, which kind of made things a bit smoother. It's the musician in you. Yeah. So many rehearsals. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So after my first four year contract was up, I had originally planned to ETS and I was going to go to school in Austin. I was living in San Antonio. I was going to go to UT and I got into UT and, and I was looking forward to it. But, um, I had just started dating my now wife and I just didn't have myself together at all. I didn't have myself together. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had, you know, like savings even to like support myself. I didn't have, um, good housing options. I'm like, how am I going to finance my life? How am I going to live? Like, I don't know how to do any of this. Like I have no clue how to take out a loan. I even still in the military, I never had to because mm -hmm. the nice thing about the military is they, you know, they kind of take care of you with all of that. So all those certain adult things you really just don't learn if you join directly out of high school, which you kind of have to learn on the go. Um, so I ended up reenlisting at the last second. I got cold feet and that was another three years added to my contract. <laughs> Super accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at the end of those three years, uh, I, uh, I ended up extending for another year after I was super planning on getting out yet again. Um, after I basically kind of bombed my entire college application process. At that point, I knew I wanted to go to school, but I didn't really know how to apply um, with the common application or anything like that. And and so, and I didn't really know the, the timelines for everything. I didn't realize it started as early as it does. And mm -hmm. I just missed the wave on everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like... Well, if I get out now, like, what the hell am I going to do? I have nothing to do. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, all right, <laughs> re-up. So re-enlisted. No, I didn't re-enlist. I extended for another year. And then basically that entire last year, I was like, okay, I know I have one year. I need to get it together. Seriously, I need to get it together. And so that entire last year um, was just a heavy due diligence on on recruiting or not the recruiting sorry the application process for schools and and just making sure I was ahead of the curve and then by the time I had separated I had lined up myself an internship to stay occupied until the semester started and I, I had lined up my ETS so that it cut off basically right at the same time school started so there wouldn't be any big gaps without a paycheck or anything like that and um so I think that that really made the trend the trend transition out of the military a lot smoother mm -hmm. and just going straight into school, basically here at Pomona College, I felt like I was, mm -hmm. it, it, it was nice because I was, you know, surrounded by people. I built a new support network and, and, and the school has just been very accommodating of, of me as a non-traditional student. And so I think that that really has helped out a lot as well. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think that my success in the transition is, is simply just because I've had multiple failures in the past. Perfect. You answered our next question. <laughs> um, if you and if you want to expand on it, uh, feel free, Travis or, or Jordan, if you want to jump in. Um, tell us about your journey from military specifically into higher ed. Um, how did how did you manage that? That because um, I know you first went to community college. You want to mm -hmm. tell us about that and how did you guys find your way to Pomona? I can answer that pretty quickly. I think um, so. As I was getting out, I exact same thing as Travis. I was realizing I missed the wave on everything. Actually, before I realized I missed the wave, I was dead set on just getting a job because the military was like, you're so employable. You'll definitely get a job. And like, you can say it to us. They're like, 
you're a musician. This is the, the <laughs> this is as good as it gets. You better stay in. <laughs> yeah. Well, like for us specifically, um, we had like security clearances, and you know we had like jobs working in intelligence. So we're like, oh, we're super employable. Like we heard all these stories about people like leaving the military for six figure jobs. They're like all well, they're like fables now. They're just it's not as true as everyone made it seem to be, but they're like, you're very employable. So I was like, okay, cool. And then it's not so much you're employable everywhere. It's like, there are places that want you like Georgia. Like I got a request to apply for a job in Georgia. I was like, I can't move to Georgia. Like I'm moving to California. Cause my wife has already accepted vet school and it had accepted and everything. So like I'm moving to Southern California and like, there's so much there. There's gotta be a job. Applied to a bunch didn't hear back from any of them. And I was like, all right. And then my wife was like, look, you have to go to, you just have to go to college. Like you should just do it. You have the GI bill. It, you know, it's just something that you really should do. You should really consider it. She might've pushed a little harder than that. I don't know. Because I was just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she's like, this is the answer. Just do it. So by the time I realized I wanted to go to college, like Travis, the wave was already passed. I couldn't apply to anything. I also didn't have a whole lot of like amazing credentials to apply, um, apart from my time at the Defense Language Institute. So I was like, well, I guess community college. And then I remember like submitting my application for community college and being like, oh, I really hope I get in. And my wife's like, I don't think you understand how it works. Like <laughs> you get in, you just have to like sign up for things. So I signed up for like my first semester classes without having taken any of the like assessment tests that I needed to. So I could only apply for classes that didn't have assessment tests required, which were just kind of all over the place. Um, and also my registration time was at like 7 a.m., like California time and I was in Hawaii. So I, I remember having to wake up super duper duper <laughs> early um, and like trying to like get just like the last remaining classes that were available. But I filled up my schedule and it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I instantly took to college. I was like, this is so cool. I'm learning so much like from day one. It was awesome. And then it was somewhere around after my first year, first, second year, or no, it was in my first year that I started to realize, like, hey, I'm getting good grades. Um, I had that whole veteran thing going for me. So, like, I should apply to, like, crazy colleges that, like, I'll never get accepted crazy. to. But, like, <laughs> just, like, apply. I was like, I should apply to, like, Ivy League schools. Because I, I also was part of this uh, program called the Leadership Scholar Program that is for Marine Corps veterans that are trying to go back to school. And they basically have a person who is a liaison between you and the admissions representatives at like a lot of schools, but like mostly like top schools. So like they were trying to place me in like Yale and Harvard. They were like reaching out to them and those people were like, hey, yeah, it looks good. Like maybe just a couple more courses here or there. And like, yeah, you'd be competitive. I was like, this is wild. <laughs> and and um, at some point like reached out to Columbia, the uh, Columbia School of General Studies as like, a big thing for veterans. They love veterans and non-traditional students. That's like their, their bread and butter. So like at one point, Columbia was calling me and was like, you should apply. It would be awesome. And I'm just like, <laughs> what is going on? This is crazy. <laughs> but like the biggest the biggest factor was that I was like, I didn't want to move all the way to New mm -hmm. York. Like my wife's in vet school. that She's not going right. anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's all great like on paper. 
but like I'm gonna have to choose a school around here. And I'm looking at like all the UCs. They're still like hour long commutes or whatever. And my wife knew that I really wanted like a selective like competitive school. So she's like, you should try Pomona College. And that's when I was like, I already looked at Cal Poly Pomona. I don't want to go there. <laughs> she's like, no, Pomona College. You know, the conversation everyone associated with the school has to go through uh, with everyone yeah. all the time. Uh, so I looked at it and I was like, ooh, that's a that's a competitive acceptance rate. I should I should look at like I should go take a tour. And I did. And I was like, holy cow, that would be so cool if I went there. But like they would never accept me. Like, let's get real. And then that's when I read the article about the veterans that were already going there. I've mentioned this multiple times. But that's the whole reason I applied. I saw the article about like that's Mo, cool. Trevor, and Chandra. They were already here. They were veterans. I was like, they have, mm -hmm. you know, kind of similar stories to mine. And they're there. And they're like making it work. I was like, oh, my gosh. Maybe it could work. Like just mm -hmm. maybe. And then I applied and the rest is history. Very cool. All right. Um, <laughs> like, what was the question? What was the question? <laughs> so, this is how, how I found my way into Pomona College, yes. essentially. Uh, mm -hmm. um, okay. Let's see how far back this rabbit hole I want to go. <laughs> We're um, just so fascinated with your story. They're like, wait, wait. Yeah, it's like, wait. <laughs> so um, I started taking college courses part-time probably around 2012, so about two years into my my. Uh, military career and <clears throat> I wasn't really getting what I wanted out of the classes like I was doing well in all of my courses and I ended up going to three different schools in total so I, I had gotten a a sampling of, of different schools and and what what I realized was I didn't want to go to a school where you were just taking a class just for the sake of getting a grade like I really wanted to take something away from my, my courses and I found that the the difference between having like a truly great instructor and then having an apathetic instructor who's just trying to earn a paycheck was just massive. It was just completely massive. Yeah. Um, after a couple of classes I took that were that were just very profound, that really just changed my entire like world perspective that I had while I was in the service. I mean, um, I realized like the power of education. Like it didn't really click on me in high school or any time before, but it clicked on me then. And then that's when I realized like, I, I want to go to a great school. Like I want to go to a great school because I want to have more experiences like this. Cause that was incredible. What, you know, the, mm -hmm. what I just learned. Mm -hmm. And so that's whenever I really just became really dedicated to making sure that I had uh, as much credentials as I could have in place to, to, to make that transition. And you know, it's difficult because I didn't really have any, 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 peers or anyone to go off of. I didn't know of anyone who had went from an enlisted army background into any Ivy League schools or any mm -hmm. you know, elite schools or any anything like that whatsoever. So it, it was, and that's kind of why I failed actually my first couple of times. It was just because I didn't know the process, uh, really what it came down to. And that's whenever I found um, a nonprofit organization called Service to School, which is a phenomenal organization. So shout out to Service to School. And they gave me a one-on-one -on -one mentor with a, uh, a Coast Guard um, veteran who was going to um, Wellesley College. And he pretty much was like, you know, you're from the service, and so you probably prefer to have more of a tight-knit community where, you know, you can have those support systems that you're so familiar with from your military experience. Well, what better place to have that than at a liberal arts college? That's the bread and butter of liberal arts colleges. Like, it's all about the community. Everyone lives on campus together. Everyone eats together. Student-faculty ratio is extremely small, um, very personal. 
And, and so I had never even known what a liberal arts college was, honestly. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. know. And so um, after you said that, I was just like, oh, well, that sounds phenomenal. Actually, it's exactly what I'm looking for. And so from there, I, I, I applied on um, common application to, you know, to some a couple Ivy League schools and then to a good, a good number of liberal arts colleges. And um, I was always looking at Pomona College because it was just unique because it was on the West Coast. And, and for me, that was a big thing in a large part because my wife, she's from, um, she's from the Philippines originally, and she grew up in uh, Torrance, California, so right here in L.A. And um, we were just having conversations. I'm like, so what would you think if I went to, say, Massachusetts? For school, she's like, uh, no, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah. A sense Have of a nice theme with the wives here. <laughs> I don't, I don't do the cold. Will not do the cold. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Mm -hmm. And um, and honestly, I was, I got it accepted into Pomona, which I was absolutely ecstatic about. And then they were gracious enough to fly me out, and I got to see the campus. And just like Jordan said, I was just like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, this is awesome. This is totally awesome. And so, um, I guess in a nutshell, yeah, that's basically how it happened. So, now we're right up to your Pomona experience. So, let, so tell tell us, how has it been so far? I, well, for you, it's, it's, almost <laughs> it's almost it's over. Almost um, for you, it's still, still starting um, uh, for Travis. So, um, tell us about your experience here at Pomona. That's about as open-ended a question as 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 possible. <laughs> so, um, so my experience so far has been it's been fantastic, honestly. Um, I, I mean, I, every single day, basically, I walk out of uh, I live on campus currently, um, and I walk outside of my my dorm room and I see the mountains and I see the campus and everything. I'm just I feel feel so grateful just to be here. I really do. I feel very very grateful. Um, and my experience has been, it's been, it's been tough in, in another sense as well, because it, it really, it's, it's, it's kind of like going from being a, a big fish in a little pond to a small fish in a little pond. It's, it's not, that, not that big of a pond. <laughs> a tadpole. In a little pond. <laughs> my analogy failed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's just so many just brilliant kids around here just so brilliant and so it's just been awesome just being surrounded by them because i mean it, it really just forces you to to level up to them and that's just been my experience this year it's been it's been uh just really focusing and and, and learning and growing as a person and and learning from all my peers who have these incredible backgrounds and just incredible brilliance and uh I, I, I have nothing bad to say. It's been phenomenal, and, and I'm very grateful for the school for providing all the resources that they have to make sure that it was a possibility for me. For for me, it was it was crazy. Um, so when I first got accepted, they were talking about orientation adventure and this thing where you go on this camping trip, and all I could think of was, like, I did like I did the math. I was like, the people that are coming straight out of high school right now are like. They're 18, and I'm, like, 24. They're, like, 17, 18, I'm 24. I was like, this is just weird. Like, what am I going to do hanging out with these, like, children? <laughs> um, 
and, and like I I know it's like it's just it's it's a six year difference. It's not that big, but like the just like the experience life gap. Like and it's not just like I'm only six years older, right? Like I'm married, like I'm a veteran. Like this is just weird. Um, but I decided to go on the trip anyway, and holy cow, I was so wrong. Like these people are so much younger, but they. <laughs> They're so much smarter than me. And they're just so much like, they're just already like, like I can't even imagine how I as a eight, 17, 18 year old would have stacked up against, against these, these people that were like, you know, coming to Pomona. It's just, it's crazy. I would never have been prepared at that age to come to an amazing place like this. Like just everyone is so smart and they're just so high achieving, but like not in like a None of them are like snooty smart or like I'm better than you smart. It's just like everyone just cares a lot about everything they do all the time. They were in high school and they're like, I care about learning. And like, that was not me <laughs> at all. And like, they're just like, all they want to do is like learn and they have all these ambitions. And so many of them have just already done so many amazing things. And after like my first couple days in class at Pomona, I was just like, I just can't believe like I'm here. Like every, so it's weird. So Lincoln, a very particular building on, on campus, like you walk out of Lincoln heading East towards Freire and it's just like this big open like courtyard and you cross the street for some reason, every time I exit that door, I think, holy cow, I'm here at Pomona. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know when it started. But the, the thought usually doesn't, like, occur to me. You know, it's just like, oh, typical day at Pomona. But, like, every time I exit that door and walk towards Ferry, I'm like, holy cow. And I, like, take a look around. I'm like, look at all these, like, people that, like, I get to learn with, you know. And like Travis was saying, like, they challenge me so much. Like, it's just, it's crazy, you know. Like, when I was, when I was in community college, like, I learned so much and it was great. And I've, I found that I was always, like, very high achieving in my classes and, you know, people would ask me, you know, for help or, or things like that. And of course I always did when I could, but like here it's like, I'm asking other people for help. And like, everyone is just like, can outperform me in an instant if I'm not putting my absolute best foot forward. So it's just, it's been such a big challenge, but the best challenge that I could have possibly imagined. That was kind of funny. You mentioned how old you felt on our way. <laughs> yeah. We had like, at night, we had like campfire mm -hmm. karaoke sing-alongs. Everyone would just, someone would just start randomly singing a song and everyone would jump in. And they kept singing these modern songs. I didn't really know them. And I was Even as like, a musician, you didn't know them? I didn't, I didn't really know them. No, I didn't really know them. Yeah, they oh sang Journey. I knew Journey, but that, okay. was, that was it. Yeah. But then I was like, hmm, I'm going to sing a song everyone knows. Well, what song do I know? And so I started singing Boys to Men. <laughs> I just assumed, that's way too old for them. And everyone was just looking at me, and I'm like trying to get all soulful and into it. Like, you have to with Boys to Men. <laughs> And they just, they're just like, <laughs> who is this what guy? Is that? Yeah. Play that in the Where oldie station now. I'm like, oh damn, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, kind of tying what we've been talking about and, and touching on your academic, um, do you think your military experience has given you a different outlook on your studies? Yes. <laughs> How? <laughs> uh, How so? How, 
the how is so much harder than the <laughs> yes or no. Um, I took an anthropology class with Tobias Hecht. Uh, I hope I'm saying that properly. Hecht. Um, he's awesome. And it was so cool. It wasn't my first anthropology course, but it was my first here at Pomona. And um, there was there was a couple. So the whole the structure of the class went from like anthropology of humans uh, from like infants to like older, like like seniors, um, it, which was like a really different timeline for an anthropology course. Usually they go through like the beginning of anthropology to like modern but like it was just totally different but there was um there was a couple things that we went into that just had a lot to do with like military um experiences in other countries and things like that and it like my unique experience definitely like informed how I looked at that and I knew that I was the only veteran in the whole class so I I tried not to like make it really obvious but I, I definitely had like different viewpoints throughout that i don't know if that's answering the question but um i think just 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 about any interaction that i'm having on campus it's like within five minutes of talking to anyone i have to let them know that like my experience is just totally different i live off campus i'm married uh you know i've been in the military so it's just and then everyone just looks at me like you what? Like they, they, cause like 99.9% .9 of people here come straight out of high school. They live on campus and they would never think of getting married at their age. And I got married when I was 20. So it's just like worlds colliding at any given moment, but it's, I don't know. Great. It's a tough question. It's a really tough yeah. question. And the question is how the military has changed our outlook of what we're studying here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I don't think I can think of anything in specific that the military has influenced. I think that more so just coming in at this phase of my life has yeah. really influenced. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, like Jordan, I'm also married. Um, and <clears throat> I think a lot more about my responsibilities, you know, taking care of, my parents are taking care of my wife's parents and, and making sure that they're okay and also supporting us and then our future if we want to have a family, like all these different things that I would have never thought about if I was 18, never, <laughs> never in a million years. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think that um, in a sense, um, because that I'm probably more career focused than, than a lot of students here who, who are more academic, academic focused. And that's, you know, that's phenomenal. That's great that they are. But I think that's coming at this different point in my life, you know, mm -hmm. by necessity, I feel like. <clears throat> the career focus is, is what I'm thinking of. And so I would say that definitely influences to an extent, um, my approach to the education. And I would say that, um, I don't know. I don't really know how to articulate how I'm feeling, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I would say that, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, Maybe I'll stop there. talked a little bit about being, you know, um, non-traditional students on a campus mm -hmm. where 99% are traditional. Um, um, you know, how has your experience been in that? I mean, uh, does that affect, you know, I mean, it touches on your academic life to some degree, social life. Um, 
Yeah. Social life, I think most, because like academic life, you know, for the most part, you just got to come for class, maybe go for a review session. Like I remember specifically in my first year, the review sessions were always like late at night on a Sunday. I'm like, I don't want to drive all the way to campus late at night on a Sunday. But, you know, I did out of necessity because I needed help in the class, things like that. Um, But I think definitely socially, like I know when I was a young Marine living in the barracks, like the social aspect of that and like just the constant camaraderie with people you're working with every day. And I know how drastically that changed when I got married and then started living off off base Mm -hmm. and then commuting to work. And I I've like having experienced both of those, I knew coming in that like it was going to be very different because I mean, it's like, it's the same setup, right? Everyone's living bit. Like if you Mm -hmm. consider Pomona college a base, everyone's living on base and I got to (laughs) commute in. Um, Mm -hmm. So it definitely had a huge social influence. Uh, I consider myself very outgoing. So I made a lot of, I I found that the social aspect was only going to happen if I made like a lot of effort. So like, I have to like be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, tonight on campus like what are you guys doing or do you guys want to go to lunch or dinner or things like that because like i'm we're missing like not li- or me specifically not living in the dorms i'm missing out on a lot of you know opportunity to like hang out with you know my friends from the classroom you yeah. know so it's it's been a challenge but not impossible um yeah so for me it's been kind of like stepping into a time portal in a sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely for you. Because um, I'm living on campus. I lived on campus this entire semester, um, <clears throat> this entire school year. Um, and that's that's because my wife, she's still in the Air Force. So she still has her contractual obligation and she's, she's stuck in San Antonio, which has been very challenging. It's very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that... Uh, after kind of a disastrous Airbnb experience, which that's another story altogether. <laughs> I, I wound up on campus kind of in a emergency <laughs> situation. So um, shout out to Frank Bedoya. Thank you for helping me out at midnight, some random Wednesday night. Um, but uh, so I've been on campus and because of that, I've had, I've gotten the ex- opportunity to, to have a lot of those experiences that he was alluding to, which is, forming close friendships with, with people who also live in the, in the dorms. And, and, and I think that that's really just enhanced my college experience without a doubt. I, I, I've, I feel like having that, that's kind of been my support network, especially, you know, in the absence of not having my wife there. And, and that's kind of, you know, turned the, my, my friends here into my family while mm-hmm. I've been here. And that's, you know, I think that's really what, what we try to go for. The school, school tries to go for by having that heavy on-campus dynamic mm-hmm. And, and because of that, you know, I, I will go out to the social events and whatnot. And it's just hilarious because, yeah, I mean, I feel every bit my age when I go out. And just, <laughs> <laughs> every bit my age, without a doubt. And you I, still I, sing boys to men to them. Yeah, I, I, I took a step back from the boys to men. <laughs> took a step back. But, yeah, I mean, I just see this, you know, this youthful energy and exuberance and just, like, genuine just, like, uh love of life and and it's just awesome because i feel like once you get in the military for too long you just see people who are just jaded they're just so jaded with life (laughs) so beat down and so it's really been just like a lot of just very positive energy and uh i think that 
yeah, living on campus this, this, this school year has been awesome. No complaints. Do you want to tell us about your academic majors and what you're studying at Pomona? And what led you to that interest? Sure. So I'm studying economics and I'm minoring in mathematics. And <clears throat> I think my, my passion of economics has, has gone back for, for quite a while. I just, I've always just been kind of like curious, like as to how the world works. And it seems like whenever you, you really dig into it, a lot of it comes down to money <laughs> and the way, you know, behavioral responses to money um, occur. And so I think that that, for me, is what has driven my passion there. And then I, and I just really wanted to become as informed about it as possible, um, not just to be a more informed citizen, a more informed voter, a more informed human being, but uh, also just because it is, it is very marketable as well. It has, it has opportunities, um, which I'm very interested in. I like the idea of, you know, for example, with consulting, you get the idea you have the ability to really use your critical thinking skills and, and you have the opportunity to go to an MBA program if you want to down the road and, and further develop your, your skill sets and you can get the opportunity to develop leadership if you, if you want to go do that. There's just a lot of different routes, a lot of optionality to it. And um, it's just something that I, I think that it's easy to be passionate about because you can de directly see um, – outside of the classroom, the influence that economics has in our every single day life. I mean, we see it in the paper every single day. And so I feel like for me, it's just, the more I learn about it, the more, the more I feel like my eyes are just opened to a lot of things I otherwise would not have known about. And then mathematics, I don't know. I just love numbers. And I think honestly, my love of mathematics comes from music because whenever I'm playing like music on the bass, I'm, I'm just constantly thinking in patterns. Like people think that, I don't know. I don't know how people perceive like how musicians think, but for me, like, I definitely think everything I think of when I think it's always in patterns and, and how like my patterns are moving around the fretboard and, and that directly translate, I feel like into math because math's like a lot of it's about like recognizing patterns mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. building connections between those patterns. And, and eventually all these different patterns kind of mold together to build this, you know, gigantic dynamic work of art or theorem. I don't know whatever it is. And so I think that for me, like it just kind of tickles that area of the brain that I really like having tickled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the brain. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, so I think this is the first part is actually a better answer to an earlier question that you asked about mm -hmm. how my military experience uh -huh. informed yeah. my like academic pursuits of Pomona. And that is, um, just like I've always been interested in like the brain, like how, what, why do people think the way they do and how do they come to like make these weird decisions or, or, or like weird things like that. So I, like obviously um, PTSD is something that everyone associates with the military like directly. It's like one of the first things you think about when you think of veterans and things like that. So I was really interested in that and like like what could I like could I do something to alleviate that or something. I don't know. It, it was just a basic interest in like the brain and how it works on like a molecular and anatomical level. So I originally was actually going to be a cog sci major because I thought, man, I don't have the time to like start and finish the neuroscience major at Pomona in two years. Um, but after a couple days in cog sci, I realized there wasn't a whole lot of like wet labs in the future. And I really enjoyed 
like wet labs in chemistry and biology at my community college. I'm like, I need more labs. Like I just, I love working in the lab and like doing all that stuff. So I made a like very last minute decision, like the night before the ad drop deadline, I, I emailed, um, professor John King, uh, who was teaching neuro one oh one or he was like the first listed professor. Uh, professor Rudolph was also teaching it, but I, I emailed John King and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm a transfer student. This is super random. Can I please come to neuro one oh one lecture tomorrow? I really want to be a neuroscience major now. He's like, did you do a year of chem and bio? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, come on down. So I did, and like the rest is history. I, I took that class, and I just absolutely fell in love with it from day one. I was like, this is exactly where I need to be because I'm loving every moment of it. And um, so like while I've been part of the neuroscience department, I've met just the best people. Um, my, my classmates, but also the professors, uh, professor Johnson was, uh, he was like my advisor from like day one. Um, I was like told to reach out to him and he's been like just a huge, tremendous help on like putting me on the right path to, you know, success in it within the major. And then, um, professor Rudolph, who's actually a visiting professor from like last year and this year. And she's actually, she just got a job at a different college in a tenure track position, which is awesome. But it's so, it's awesome because I got to be here for the two years that she was here. The two years I was here were the two years she was here. And I, I got to take my very first class with her, uh, Neuro 101. And that was great. And then I actually have had the opportunity to work in her lab uh, as in a lab assistant for the past year. And it's just been amazing. Just like getting to see like how neuroscience research works and like getting like the ins and outs of it. And she's like been a huge help in like advising me and like kind of where I want to take mm -hmm. my degree after I graduate. So did I answer the question? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was kind of just going <laughs> off on a tangent. So I just, and you led into my next question, which is what are you doing after graduation? And of course, I know that you probably, Jordan, you probably have a little firmer plans than Travis Ooh, has. Yeah, uh, that's a strong but, um, but, <laughs> So my graduation plans are very simple. My wife is graduating with her uh, doctor of veterinary medicine. Uh, four days after I graduate. Oh, wow. Uh, and she was awarded the U.S. Army scholarship for vet school. Mm -hmm. So she is joining the U.S. Army Veterinary Corps as an officer. She's commissioning as a captain. And um, so she has a four-year contract that she's doing now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first year is an internship year. They're sending us to Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington State. So my postgraduate plans are just to be a trophy husband and uh, <laughs> hang out and support her. Um, I mean, she's the one with like the amazing, illustrious career and like she's definitely going like big places. And um, there's not really anything for me for one year in Washington. I'm just going to try and find, you know, a job that perhaps relates to science because I really mm -hmm. like science. But um once she gets sent to like a permanent duty station, I can start looking at like graduate programs because mm -hmm. I, I definitely have a strong interest in some type of graduate school. What that is, I have no idea. Um, but I just really like academia in general and learning. It's crazy stressful, but it's so incredibly rewarding. 
Um, and, you know, Pomona's helped foster like the desire to continue um, school. So as of right now, no graduate plans except trophy has been like I said. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, after that one year internship that she's having, then then I'll start to to look at opportunities. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> and Travis? Yeah, I don't know. Like it makes me think, hmm, maybe I should just go live in the Philippines for a year or something. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about that. Um so <clears throat> I think that the way I'm headed um, it's probably more towards financial services from my post post college um, career. Um, I think I'm really looking for firms that foster the academia environment as well, that really promote that lifelong learning and and you're constantly challenged every single day to push yourself and, and whatever it is that it, and it's something that I can truly develop a passion for. I think that that's very mm -hmm. important for me. Um, I think that, you know, once again, just falling back on, on being a musician, like to be good at it, you have to put in, they say the 10,000 hour rule. They say that you need 10,000 hours of practice, anything, if you really want to master it. And, you know, I think it's a nice rule of thumb, maybe not exact for everyone, but I think it's a good guideline. Mm -hmm. and, and that's dedicated, focused practice. So if you're practicing your instrument for two to three hours every single day, and it's just very, very focused, then uh, after so many years, you'll be a master. And I feel like that applying that to your occupation, applying that to your relationships, applying that to your physical fitness or your, your, your diet or anything. I feel like, you know, it, that's a, a great approach to have because you're, you're just being very mindful and, and you're making sure that every single day you're, you're improving upon your foundation mm -hmm. and addressing your deficiencies. And so that's why for me, it's just super important that I find a career that, that is going to inspire me to be that passionate to to be something that I truly want to master and where I feel like I'm getting that deep sense of purpose that I'm helping people and that and that I'm growing as an individual and as a person so I don't know what career that's going to be actually so that's kind of a my fancy way of saying I have no clue it's <laughs> <laughs> your peer answer yep. <laughs> yes any advice for veterans looking into higher ed opportunities do it <laughs> service to school yeah. Mm -hmm. Service to school is great. I think there's one more that is escaping me. Uh, Marines specifically can apply for the Leadership Scholar Program. That's like huge. I had like basically a person that I could email at any time. Her name was Deborah Marconda. And the other veteran that uh, got accepted the same year as me, Chris Vasquez, he, he worked with the same mm -hmm. the same lady. And she's she's a saint. She like she just any any school I wanted. She's like, where do you want to go? And I was like. I just, you know, just started listing off schools and she's like, oh, I got reps here, 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 here. And she, I mean, she just laid out all the groundwork. Um, it was huge. There's, there's just so many resources. It's, it's unbelievable. You'll never be able to utilize all of them. Uh, even the GI Bill, like that's, that's huge. And like, if you're a veteran, you definitely will have that. So that's like undisputable, probably the, the biggest thing. Um, but also just put in the work. And it's totally worth it. Like for me, I I hadn't taken a math course in six years by the time I was starting to look back at college. So I had forgotten a lot and I had to do a lot of reteaching, uh, a lot of free resources, Khan Academy. I used it like every day for months and it was so difficult and challenging and it required a lot of patience, but it was totally, totally worth it. 
I would say also like really lean on your vet community without a doubt. I think people separating or who are in the military right now should realize that once you get out, like the vet community stays strong. Like at any point in time, I can go on LinkedIn and find someone who served in the military and use that as my, my in, I guess, to make a connection with them. And nine times out of 10, they'll respond to that and they'll be receptive to that. So there's definitely a very strong kinship among, among veterans and that should be leveraged to the fullest. I mean, you have the opportunity to search on LinkedIn for veterans at every single institution you can think of. I think there's been a, a really strong wave recently of, of elite colleges and Ivy League institutions allowing more and more veterans in. I feel like there's some momentum behind that mm -hmm. and that at this point we have, we have representation in most schools. And I think that you know, those of us who are in these schools are very, very eager to talk to people and to help them come to a reasonable conclusion because we've been in their shoes before and we realize, understand how difficult it is. And had I had some of that knowledge from someone like myself now, when I was going through the process, it probably would have made it a lot less painful. You know, I might've been able to separate the first time instead of the third time, for example, <laughs> and, and <laughs> saved a few years of my life. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would say that that's, that's, that's very important. Reach out to us. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm always receptive to people reaching out, you know. Definitely. So on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, thanks to student veterans Jordan Peterson and Travis Whirling. Uh, great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. It's been great. And to all who've stuck with us this far, thanks for listening to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. Until next time.